Good morning, everybody. Um, one quick announcement that uh, Tony forgot to mention was um, next Saturday, the 25th, we will be having a, a homeschool informational session. Um, Liz has offered to uh, come along and help provide you guys with some information, such as possible curriculum, the registration process. Jennifer Carter is going to come along and, and be here as a parent that's done homeschooling for a lot of a long time and be able to answer some questions. Um, we live in a crazy world these days and, and people are doing stuff that uh, um, they might not have done before and it never hurts to have more information in your hands. Even if you're not thinking about homeschooling but you just want to come and see what it looks like and what it entails and stuff. We, we encourage you guys to come along and, and come here next Saturday. It's in the bulletin. Um, thank you guys for uh, your awesome hearts and sharing information and helping helping us as a church family to be able to go through the, let's see, and one more piece of paper. That's the one. Well, uh, my name is Chris Polito. I'm the resident pastor here at Gospel Community Church. If you guys don't know me, that's who I am. If you do know me, hi. Hello. Um, <laughs> So uh, we are jumping back into the book of Romans. Um, Nick started off last week and, and took us through the introduction. And um, But I wanted to start this morning with a bit of... Uh, uh, better turn my mic on, honey. Oh, yeah. Hello. It's I just fun. wanted to start this morning with a little bit of a disclaimer. We're going to be in the book of, of Romans for quite some time. We're going to be uh, uh, talking about a lot of things and... Um, the reason I wanted to make a, a bit of a disclaimer to you guys because if you've been anywhere other than in a coma for the last quite a few years, you realize <laughs> we live in a world that's easily offended right now. We live in a world where people take offense to things so easily. And one of the things I've known, come to know about being offended is it's usually tied to something else. And it's, it's mostly tied to entitlement. We become offended when we feel like we're entitled to feel a certain way or entitled to believe a certain way about a certain thing and someone else's opinions or actions go against the way we feel entitled to. And so we become offended. Um, disclaimer time. The book of Romans is going to offend us. All of us. There are going to be things that we talk about that are going to point out some ugly areas in our lives going to point out some things that we didn't want to recognize, going to point out things that we, we probably knew was there, but we were ignoring, but we were like, you know what? I'm offended now. I'm going to get mad. I want to get up. I want to walk away. I want to withdraw. I want to pull myself away from the body. That is saying that you're entitled to the truth, to absolute truth. You're entitled to decide what's right and wrong in God's Word, and none of us have that right. God and His Word is the only one that can decide what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. So when, when, when we're going through that, when those things come up and you want to feel that angst, you want to feel that, um, that offense, that entitlement, you want to run away, and you get that thought, ask yourself a question. Did I deserve my salvation? Did I do something good enough that deserved for Christ to step onto the cross, take my place, and, and, and pay the price for the things I've done. You should always answer no to that. 
And when you ask yourself that question and you answer no to that, it should be a lot easier to take the things that we're going to be preaching about and studying about in stride and see that God's not doing it because uh, uh, he's almighty powerful and angry and wants to make us feel horrible about all the things we're doing. He's doing it because he wants to draw us near. Sin causes separation. Sin draws us away from God. So by exposing our sins and finding, seeing what they are and being able to repent of our sins and, and turn away from our sins and turn back to God, He will in a sense be drawing us back closer to Him. So I wanted to make that disclaimer. I wanted to start off with that because we're going to be going through this stuff for a while. Um, the first, starting after today's verses, um, starting next week with Pastor Tony, for the next eight chapters, we're going to be talking about sin. We're going to be talking about all kinds of sin. And there isn't going to be any one of us in here that don't fall into one of these categories or another. And we want to be able to grow together, come alongside each other, and, and, and just grow through this whole thing. So, um, I didn't even get an amen or anything. I'm offended. Amen! <laughs> <laughs> I'm but um, today, we're going to be in verses 8 through um, 17. We're going to read those. We'll come back. We'll start back at the beginning of these verses. And we'll break them down and just kind of dive into these things and, and see where we're at with today's message. But first, let's pray. Do you want me to pray? Um, Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord. Um, and I ask you to j just wipe, wipe the lenses clean. God, we... we we tend to see our lives in a blurred vision and, and, and only focus in on the things that, that look good and that, that look nice and the, the areas we want to focus on, God. Wipe away that blur. Clear those lenses so that we can see clearly. We can see clearly that we're fallen, we're broken, we're in dire need of a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior. I pray that whatever today's message brings, that, that any tactics from the enemy, any tactics to try and distract us and draw away our focus from hearing God's word, I pray those away in Jesus' name. I pray that we will rest in your word, we'll rest in your message, and we will take it, digest it, and help it develop a hunger to know you more than just today, to know you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we want to dive into your word, and we want to become immersed in your word and immersed in relationship with you. Jesus, it's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I got my smallest print Bible I could find. <laughs> Alright, starting in verse 8. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last in succeed, now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but this far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That is God's word. So, um, Nick took us uh, last week through Paul's first part of his greeting. Paul is telling us, I'm, I'm Paul, I'm a servant of Christ, I'm set apart, I'm called to be an apostle, to go out and spread the gospel. Um, and now we jump into seeing him here in verse 8. He's continuing his greeting. It's almost like the first seven were the logistics, the introduction, who I am, what I'm called to do. I'm set apart for this. This is who I am. And that, that can sound real pastoral sometimes. If it's not followed up with, with showing your heart, showing some sincerity of why you're doing that. It's like running into someone and, oh, I'm having, uh, having a rough day. Well, well, we're praying for you. And, and without just really diving into it and showing your heart by how you want to come alongside them, how you're pained with them, and you're going through what they're going through, it just seems like a formality. Um, in Paul, right here at the beginning, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Like, we see some examples of his motivation here. Like, it's not a formality. When we see this, when he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Like, to steadily stay thanking God for the people in our lives, thanking God for those around us, it's not a legalistic motive. Like, we know Paul, we know his history, we know Saul of Tarsus, he come from a Jewish family, uh, a real uh, a devout Jewish family, stuck in Jewish traditions. It could have been very easily for him to be um, thanking God for these people out of a, a legalistic motive. Um, it, it, like, it wasn't always like this for Paul to be doing things out of a, a genuine love for people, a genuine love for God's people. Um, we can see that just from knowing the life of Paul that like, he wasn't doing this for a, a monetary gain or, or, or money or anything. Paul, Paul was a tent maker for a lot of his life. He, he, was, uh, he was bivocational. He, he preached the gospel. He supported himself. He went to a lot of these churches and, and he built them up and supported himself in these areas. We see right at the beginning... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And he goes on to say, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Like, that's a cool testimony in itself right there. Like, he's saying, and I'm thanking you guys because everywhere I'm at, all over the world, and the world, we, we want to think about that word in this context. Like, we think about the world. We, we know all these maps and the globe, and we know every ounce of it. Like, he's speaking of the known world, like, that, that they knew was there at that time, but he's saying, out of a love for God, he's saying, like, I am thanking God for you guys all of the time. And then he goes on to say, in 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. I, he wants to make it known, like, right in that statement, he wants to make it known that it's not this... Um, like Again, like I said, just this formality introduction. He's saying, for God is my witness. In that moment, he's making a covenant, an, an oath right there in that moment between him, the Roman churches that he's writing to, and God. He's saying, look, I am mentioning you guys always in my prayers. 
I, I mention you, I pray for you without ceasing. And it, it's in that moment that we see, like, he's constantly praying for these people. And he's saying, I don't want this to come across as just, oh, we'll pray for you. He's saying, without ceasing, I mention you guys always in my prayer. And so it, it got me thinking about our prayer lives. Like, what do our prayer lives look like? And so, in thinking about that, I, I decided, like, I want to ask you guys that question. Take a minute and think about that. Like, what does your prayer life look like? Um, as you're thinking about that, for, for a, I know I'm guilty of this, for a lot of times, like, that prayer life can almost be like a checklist. Like, God, help me with this, this, and this. Make sure I get here, say it, help, help this person. That, that prayer life can look like a checklist. But I want to I want to challenge you guys to do something real quick. If you're taking notes and you got a paper and a pen out, it, um, awesome. If you're not, you should be like these guys and take some more notes. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. But I want you to take a second and I want you to think like think about the top three things in your prayer life, like the top three people you're praying for, and, and take a minute and write those down. Like really think about your prayer life, like what or who you're praying for, and see what. See what the top three things or people that you're praying for are. Nick, would you write down? Family work and you and Martinez. Lydia, I see you trying to find your notebook in your pen or whatever. We <laughs> E forever. What, what are your top three things in your prayer life, you think, or, or people? Or? My sons, my son, and um, my mother, him, and her health, and my health. Just trying to get a more positive attitude on taking care of yourself. Awesome. And I think if we went around the room and we, we shared each other's answers with everybody all the way around, we're going to kind of see that for the most part, I don't want to lump us all in a group, you know, because I, I hate when that happens, so I'm not going to do it. But for the most part, if we look at our list, we're going to kind of see that we, we spend a lot of time praying for those closest to us, we're praying for the people closest to our lives, the people kind of near and dear for, to us. I think we can we can get a great example from Paul right here in changing the, the ugly world we live in and changing the darkness we live in. He's saying, telling these people, look, I pray for you guys endlessly, without ceasing. I mention you guys in my prayer. <coughs> he doesn't know these people. He's never been there yet. These aren't his closest confidence. There are some people, Akil and Priscilla, there are some, some people that know him and, and probably know of his ministry, he's been in ministry for quite some time up to this point. But he's praying for these people without ceasing, people that he does not know. And it's and I know it's it's probably changing the culture there. Because getting that letter and having some some affirmation from somebody in afar, somebody that's known at this time for spreading the gospel, like, hey, this guy's praying for us without ceasing. It brings it brings a type of uh, of gratitude and appreciation. Like, man, if this guy is praying for me in this way, who can I be praying for? And how can I be 
thanking him and praying for him because he, uh, like we know from Paul's life, he's on a, a much rougher journey than they are at the time. And so we see here we can, we can get that example. Like um, I'm not saying stop praying for those closest to us, but I think we can change the world we live in. We can we can bring some light to the world we live in by praying for those we don't know, praying for those who are still suffering. So, um, picking up in 10, it's about halfway through, it's a weird break, but he says, uh, without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking somehow that by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So that part got me thinking. That I may at last succeed in coming to you. But right before that, he says, somehow, by God's will, that he will make it to them, that he'll make it to Rome and be able to visit them. And I started thinking about uh, uh, my prayers, and when I'm praying for something, and, and it, it's a, a, a long-suffering prayer, something I've been praying for for a long time to happen, and I'm praying it in God's will, but then I have my kind of idea of what that's going to look like. I have my idea uh, of how that thing I'm praying for. Come on up, dude. Come on. Okay. All for call. Yeah. Oh, shoot. You got to do it. But, so, I'm going to share a little story on, on, on kind of what that has looked like in my life. And if you guys have been coming for quite a while, you guys have heard this part of my story, you guys know some of my story, like, you guys are my therapists. I get to come up here and <laughs> spill my guts and some of the things that are paining me and bothering me and that I'm praying for and I'm able to voice it to you guys and, and it's awesome. So if you haven't uh, heard, a little backstory is when I was 21 years old, I was with a girl and we had a, excuse me, we had a daughter together and about the first six to nine months of her life, I was able to see her and, and be a part of her life and then at that point, her family said, look, this, this, and this has to happen in order for you to continue seeing her. And at that point, I was a 21-year-old little punk that had no manhood in him. And, and instead of stepping up to these requirements, these things they asked of me, I did what I had always done at that point, and I ran. I ran to the things I knew. I ran to uh, the booze and, and drugs. And I ran to these things, and I ran away from stepping up and, and becoming a man. But over the years since then, um, especially in the last five years since I've been saved and I, I've really cultivated a relationship with God, I've been praying for a reunion in that relationship without ceasing. I've been praying for, for there to be some restoration in this relationship. And I'm going to tell you guys like wh what it looked like, like in, in my will, in my mind, like there's going to be this grand reunion, you know, we're going to be in a field with lilies up to our knees, and we're like <laughs> running in slow motion, and arms wide, and there's this big embrace between me and my daughter, and right when the embrace happens, confetti comes down, and like this beautiful grand moment I pictured in my life of what that reunion was going to look like, and um, I will tell you guys, and, and I'm so grateful and happy to share that um, I reached out to her a couple months ago, and there was no response. I reached out to her again after that, and it was followed up by an hour and a half phone call between her and I. Um, 
it was it, every day since then for the last month and a half or so. Um, we've texted all day, almost every day, just getting to know each other, um, me learning more about her. I've been able a little bit here and there to help out a little financially, just with fun stuff, help a little bit. She's getting ready to go off to college in St. George. There wasn't any confetti. <laughs> but that is the difference between like when we pray for something and we picture how it's going to look and what it's going to be like in, in our minds versus what God's will for it is. And, and I can stand here and say I am truly humbled and grateful for the um, contact that we've had, for the text messages in the morning saying good morning, like to, to know that she got up that morning and, and she thought about me and my family and she wished us a good morning. I'm truly humbled by those things. But we see that example here with Paul. Paul says, I've been praying for you guys. I've been praying that somehow, if by God's will, I will be able to come and see you in Rome. As he was praying this, I don't ever think he thought that it was going to be in handcuffs, a prisoner of the Roman government. And we know from Acts like 25, 26, 27 that um, he was arrested. He spent two years on house arrest. He, he was awaiting his death. He uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to use my Roman citizenship. I'm going to appeal to the Roman government. And for that to happen, they have to bring me to Rome to be, to be uh, saw over there and be able to answer for my charges. And so he's placed onto a ship. And, and a, uh, placed onto a ship, and they go. And it's not... A Caribbean cruise ship. They're not playing shuffleboard on the deck. There are waves. The ocean is crazy. And he's, he's telling them, look, we're going to do this, but there's going to be loss of gear. There's going to be loss of life. We're going we're to face a lot of turmoil in this. And, and they take him and they haul him off anyway. And over that travel, they, they're shipwrecked. They change ships. They station in, in different areas and transfer ships and go. But he makes it to Rome. He said, I've been praying that by God's will, I will make it to you in Rome. And when he does, we don't see him, we don't see him angered and, and, and mad that he went through all of this craziness. He did there, they let him stay with his friends, and they come and they, um, some of the, the Roman leaders, they, they want to ask him, they say, tell us about this sect and what they've been saying about it. And he goes and shares the gospel. He shows that Jesus Christ had changed his life and his conversion. So even though he was praying for this, he probably had a different idea of what that journey was going to look like in, in the context of writing this. He was picturing a missionary journey where he, like he had traveled to all of these other churches on these missionary journeys, but Rome didn't look like that. And I think that's something that we can, we can grow on and we can remember is that when, when we're praying for something... Our idea of what it's going to look like, our idea of the answered prayer, it's going to look a lot different than God's will, than God's will in that situation. It's about being humble, being grateful in that moment, and being able to, to just have that gratitude that he heard the prayer and he answered it, even if there wasn't confetti. Verse 11. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to... Let's see. We're going to stop right there. So he says, look, 
I long to see you. I want to impart to you some spiritual gift that you, that is, that we may mutually benefit from. I think we can we can take a look at Paul and the type of person he is, and we can see that um, they've been longing to see each other. He's been longing to, to see them. And this is 20 years into Paul's ministry, but he's remained teachable. He's not saying to them, I want to come there to you, and man, I'm going to whip this church into shape, and we're going, to, we're going to get it back up on its feet and get everything going. He's saying, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 20 years later, 20 years into ministry, God, Paul is showing us that he is just as dependent on God and his people as they are upon God and him. So, um, Verse 13, he says, And it hasn't become, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but this far have been prevented. He, he's helping them to understand in that moment. It's not because of a lack of desire. It's not because, look, I had all these other places to be and I was busy. Look, I've been trying to come to you. I, I, I've been prevented in many ways. Then he goes on to say, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as the rest of the Gentiles. He points out what he desired to do when he got there. Not just that he had a desire to visit them, a desire to get there. He points out the desire of why he wanted to get there. To reap a harvest. We know, we know from Jesus' teaching, we know that um, it's about producing fruit. He wanted to come there so they can encourage each other up, they can take this church, and they can produce some fruit. I'm going to turn to John 15 really quick. This is something we studied Tuesday in our John Bible study. Um, I'm going to just read this to you. I don't have the verses up. John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, as so to prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Paul is telling them, I want to come to you in this moment to reap a harvest. I want to come to you in this moment so that we can produce fruit. And in producing fruit, the churches in Rome and the, the, the Roman government and the other unbelievers in Rome, they will see this fruit, and by the seeing of this fruit, they will know that we are His disciples. 
He goes on in verse 14 and 15. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach to you the gospel. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says right there in the very beginning, I am under obligation. Or in some other translations, he says, I am indebted. I am a debtor to the uh, to the Greeks and to the barbarians. So he, he's saying here, he, I don't want to just come and visit you because it's the next spot on the map. It's the next spot where I haven't visited yet, and I got to get there because I got this itinerary planned out, and I have to hit these major ports and cities. He says I'm under obligation. A debt. He's not talking about a monetary debt. He's not talking about he owes them any type of money or anything of monetary value. He's talking about a moral debt. He understands what Jesus had done for him. He understands what happened on the road to Damascus. He understands the change that underwent in his heart. And he has a moral obligation to God. And he's repaying that moral obligation by imparting that debt from God to God's people. Now, he wants to transfer that debt. And he knows that in doing so, there are people that need to hear the gospel. Um, we see firsthand, to, to use that term, I am obligated, to show that it's not a want or just something that he had in his plans, that he is obligated to do it. It's like when, in life, when we're doing something and somebody asks us if, if, if we can help them out in some way or another, and we know that they don't have anybody to turn to. We know that, that we're kind of that one person that they, they can count on and they can come to us when they're in need. Feel that obligation. Like, it means something to do this favor for them. And he, it means something for him to be able to come to Rome and preach the gospel to these guys. And so, um, what is this gospel that he's preaching? You know, in um, churchy terms, we hear that all the time. The gospel. The good news. But we see that what, what he is been doing from church to church, and what Paul has been teaching is just not um, about Jesus a little bit and what's happened in his life. He, he's preaching the gospel, and, and what he's doing in that, he's preaching Jesus. Jesus' perfect life of obedience here on earth. He's preaching Jesus' atoning death on the cross. He's preaching Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He's preaching Jesus' ascension into heaven. He's preaching Jesus' pouring out of the Holy Spirit onto the church. Verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of what I'm preaching to you because this is for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes, this is the power of God for salvation. 
And so in our lives, like I, I talked about at the beginning with our prayer lives, we're often praying for those closest to us. And we're often, if we're out and we're sharing the gospel and, and we're telling people about Jesus' perfect life and his death on the cross and his, his resurrection and his ascension and the Holy Spirit, sometimes it can just be those closest to us. But right here, it's telling us this gospel is for everyone. It's God's power to salvation for everyone who believes in his name. And he wants to share that with the church in Rome. Um, and he's telling them, like, like look, it's going to get ugly, but because of this, this, and this, because of the gospel, wait, it gets better. He's saying, through all of that, through his life, through his death, through His resurrection, through His ascension, through His Holy Spirit, you and I, we became justified. We became innocent. When all, everything that stacks up, everything we know in the world, everything that makes any sense to us, says that we are guilty. Through that, we are justified. And we're, we're justified through nothing more than faith and faith alone. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. I started out with the, the disclaimer that we're going to be in the book of Romans for a while. And we're going to be taking a look at some of the ugly sins, some of the ugly things in our lives. And we're going we're gonna, to um, be examining so many things. Um, if you checked out a little bit after that disclaimer... Or disclaimer, like, reel it back in. Reel it in for a minute and think about this. Because if you're paying attention to the last ten minutes or so, looking at these sins, finding out where we struggle, seeing our loved ones through the lens of sin and how they struggle, it shouldn't be that scary. We're going to do a couple things as we go through this. We're going to hate the sin, not the sinner. We're not going to come out of here as a church group that decided uh, we look down on other people groups. It's not about the person. It's not about the people group. It's about the sin. It's about the things in our lives and their lives that are creating distance between us and God and He's wanting to pull us back in. He said you're innocent. Your conviction is overturned. You want to live. All you have to do is believe. The righteous shall live by faith. So over the next a um, little while, like I said, we're going to be looking at some stuff. Study that verse. Study that. Know that. Understand that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a roadmap to find our way through this crazy, ugly world that we live in. We thank you that we have a relationship with you that we can examine the things in our life and we don't have to wallow in them. We don't have to return to those. Jesus, we thank you that there is a cross. Your cross to lay these things at the foot of. That we can set them down. That we can repent. 
we can turn away from the things in our life that are only drawing us farther and farther away from you. didn't have to do that for us. We surely didn't deserve it. But out of love, to grace, to mercy, you did it anyway. You took our place as we stood there, hammer and nail in hand. You said, no, my son, I got this. combination of words, no amount of tears, anything we can do could ever muster up how truly grateful we are, how truly humbled we are for the sacrifice that you made for us. But to kind of show, to kind of help understand how grateful it is to us, put it in our hearts to be under obligation share you with the world, not just those closest to us, to share you with the world. It's in your beautiful name I pray.